Uh, so today uh, we are going to be talking about the revelation of baptism. And uh, I know it's a super swirly title, uh, but what revelation simply means, it's as if there was a veil in front of your eyes and you were able to look behind the veil and know something that was once hidden. And so when we look at the picture that is baptism, right, we're, we're going to very subtly touch on water baptism, but when we actually understand what it represents and what it means, there's actually so much weight and power behind what baptism means. Uh, so, let's just jump into it. Uh, but the word for baptism uh, simply means to be immersed or dipped. And I want you guys to use your imagination to, to picture as if uh, a uh, piece of cloth, a great piece of cloth, was dipped into purple dye, right? If you were to pull that cloth out, what color it would be? Purple, right, and this is the picture that we see uh, in baptism: is that you come in Christ and you're dipped into Him in His death. Your old man goes in, and your new nature comes out. Right, you go in gray, and you come out looking like Jesus. And so, let's jump into Galatians three twenty-seven. And I want you guys to see this. It says this, And all who have been united, say united, united, with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Right? Circle, underline that word united. It's so important. We're going to get to that. But I love this picture here. Right? My uh, dad preached last Sunday on the raising of Lazarus. And there's this moment uh, when Lazarus was raised from the dead. Right? He was dead and now he's alive. Jesus looks at him and says, Lazarus, take off your grave clothes. And I love that line because I think there's something so powerful for us today is that you can be alive but still be wearing grave clothes. You can be raised back from the dead but still be carrying an identity that is dead. And so when we look at this picture when Paul says, you have been united with Christ through this baptism, through this spiritual uh, baptism that happened to you, and it's caused you to put on new clothes, right, that make you look like Jesus. And so it's this act, this baptism that we're talking about that is what unites us into Christ. And uh, this word united, Paul is using gardening imagery. And I want you guys, again, to use your imagination, but the word united simply means to graft a branch into another. Okay? To graft a branch into another. So what that looks like is, is, is if you were to have uh, an apple tree branch, right, that was broken off, and you were to graft it into a peach tree and tie the branch together in such a way where the trunk of the uh, tree flows out into the branch and they grow together until finally you can't tell the difference between the graft and the natural branch. Right? This is the picture that Paul uses when he says you have been united with Jesus through baptism. You've been made one with him. Right? We, we see Jesus say that you are the branches and I am the vine. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Right? Apart from him, we have no life, the life that he is coming to bring. So when we see this picture of being united with Christ, right, our life is now fully shared. His life becomes our life. Right? Jesus severed all of our ties to Adam, 
right? Your your ancestor in a sense, right? It's almost as if we were we're born from this bad tree that can only bear bad fruit. When we received Jesus, He broke us off of that tree and He grafted us into His life. So Romans six, let's, let's jump there. Romans six. I love this passage so much. There's just so much here, right? It's a meaty passage. Again, I gave this reference right in first service that uh, for those steak lovers, we have steak lovers in the room, right? When you have a good steak, right, you you want to savor it, right? When you go to William and Henry, you pay like seventy bucks for a steak this big, and they're like, I'm gonna savor every bite. This is a seventy dollar steak, right? And I want you guys to do this with this passage. I want you just to savor the weight of it because there's there's so much meat here. Uh, so let, let's just jump into it. Paul says this: Have you forgotten that when you were joined or when you were united with Christ in baptism, we joined Him in His death? Remember, he's not talking about water baptism. He's talking about this spiritual baptism that happened when you were saved. Have you forgotten that you were joined with Christ in baptism? We joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Come on. Get cheer for that. That's good. So I want to break this, this, this uh, passage down in three, three ways. The first thing, I love that Paul says, he says, have you forgotten this? Right, throughout the Old Testament, so many times, God tells the people of Israel, do not forget. Remember what I've done. Remember the deliverance that I've taken you out of Egypt so your children's children will remember my faithfulness. That this idea of forgetfulness is very, very dangerous in the Christian life. But so many times in Paul's epistles, he says, do not forget. Have you forgotten this thing that you have received that has happened to you? And so when we look at this picture of baptism and what it represents, guys, this is something we have to be reminded and renewed into. If you have forgotten, today, allow yourself to be reminded and renewed into this. The second thing, that we see happen through this spiritual baptism is it caused our sinful nature to be crucified with Christ and gave us a new identity through his resurrection. So good. That it caused our sinful nature to be crucified with Christ and gave us a new identity through his resurrection. The third one is this, is that baptism resulted, right, the spiritual baptism resulted in sin losing its power over us and freeing us from its bondage. I don't know if you've ever heard this as a Christian, but you can actually be free from sin. Like we talk about freedom. But then when it comes to the idea of actually sinning, we're like, you know, but I, everyone does that. 
And this isn't like, okay, you can live perfect, because that's not the thing. But we see, Paul says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified. That means dead. <laughs> With Christ, so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. And so this is what happens. I want you guys to pay attention to see this. The transformation that happens when you are saved, when you're baptized, right, spiritually, is that you are given a new identity. Because for all of your life before Jesus, there's been an identity placed on you. It's death. It's sin. It's cursed. Right? There's this identity because we are born from Adam that we're just, it's who we are. And who knows that you don't define your identity, your identity defines you. And so when we think about this, the identity that we have is the thing that defines us. If you believe, man, I'm wretched, I'm a sinful, horrible, dirty, messed up person, your identity is going to define you. You're going to live that way. But the beautiful thing about what Jesus did on the cross and the resurrection is when you were buried, when your old identity was buried, right, and you were resurrected, he gives you a new identity. And this new identity now defines you. <laughs> Nothing else. What you do doesn't define you. How successful you are doesn't define you. How much you messed up doesn't define you. Because you are being given a new identity. That Jesus says you no longer have to identify any longer with anything that doesn't align with his life in you. But then it begs the question, well, why do we still sin? Right? Well, why do we still respond this way? We'll get to that. So in 1 Corinthians 12, 13... It says this, it says, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we have all been baptized into, right, you've been baptized into one body, by one spirit, we all share the same spirit. So we're no longer identified by Jew or Gentile or slave or free, but when you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit baptized you or placed you into the body of Christ. You are placed into his life. So the moment you came to Jesus, you were baptized and placed into him by the Holy Spirit. Your old self, right, the picture that water baptism represents is you're going down to the water, your old self is drowning, and it's falling to the bottom of the water, and your new life is taken up. And this Baptism didn't happen when you're water baptized. It was done to you by the Holy Spirit the moment you said yes to Jesus. That if you said yes to Jesus, you said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I give you my life. I'm not perfect, but I know that you are my Savior, that you are my life source. I'm choosing to give you my yes and to follow you. Baptized. Yeah. Holy Spirit said, okay, you're dead. Your old identity is dead. Here's your new identity. You're one with him. You're united with him. To give you guys an example, what happens, right, we see in scripture says that uh, through one man's sin, all have been made sinners. How much more through one man's righteousness, right, Jesus, will all be made righteous. 
And so I want you to see this, this picture. Before Jesus, your life was like this dirty cup. And the bottom of this cup, no matter what you did, is always dirty. No matter how much you scrub and clean and you soap, it stays dirty. And because of that, you can pour clean water into it. You can pour good works and good deeds and memorizing Bible verses and not cursing. You can pour all these good things into this cup. But because the cup is dirty, no matter what, when you pour out the cup, it's going to be dirty water. Like, we're, we're done. Like, no matter what we do, because of that cup, because of our old nature, everything that we are that comes out, it's going to be dirty water. But what Jesus did when he received him is he took that cup away and he gave you a new cup. And this cup is pure and holy and clean. And no matter what you do to that cup, it, it can only stay clean. We're like, but, well, why do we still sin? It's because you get dirty water and you put it in the cup. But think about this, we're no longer enslaved to that cup. Your default is no longer dirty. Your default is no longer sin. Your default is holy. Your default is Jesus. And this is why, I want you to hear this, because for some people this is going over your head. This is why truth is what sets us free. Yeah. That's it. You're like, well, I hear that, but I don't see it. The truth is what sets you free. This new identity is what sets you free. Right? This is why Paul said, did you forget? <laughs> did you forget what happened the moment you were baptized into Jesus' body? The old man was crucified, and you now have new life. You are no longer identified by the old man. You are no longer identified by shame and guilt and condemnation and your shortcomings and your failures. You're now identified by Jesus. And so now because you have a clean cup, when you pour clean water in it, it stays clean. Right? Because you have been given a new nature, a new identity. And this identity is what defines everything about you. Right, we see the picture that Jesus uses as of being born again, right? We're, we're born again into new life when you receive him. And I, and I made this reference a few weeks ago. But when you're born, you're born as a baby, <laughs> right? So we have this idea, okay, we're saved, I have this new nature, and then pff, you're like spiritually jacked, right? But you're a baby, right? Our mind needs to be renewed to the truth of what actually happened. That we have to be washed by the truth of what has actually happened. So let's go to Genesis 2, and I want to take you guys somewhere, that when we see this baptism, this picture of baptism, I love seeing that it actually alludes to marriage. Right, what is the word that Paul used? He says that you have been united, you've been grafted, you've been made one, you've been placed into him. So there's this moment in Genesis after Eve is created or born in a sense, Adam looks at her and he says this, right? He, he recites poetry or, or he sings this or whatever. He, he speaks this over his bride and this is what he said. He says, at last, 
The man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. And a few verses later it says that what God has joined together, let no man something. And so when we are joined to Jesus or united with Jesus through our spiritual baptism, we get this picture, and it's as if Jesus is saying the same things over us. This is bone of my bone. This is flesh of my flesh. What God has joined together, let no man suffer. Let no man suffer. That if you have been united, Nothing can separate. Sin cannot separate. Feelings cannot separate. Lies cannot separate. The devil can't separate. And so we see this picture of baptism actually throughout the Old Testament. Right? It's called a mikvah, say mikvah. But a mikvah was when it was a, a Jewish ceremonial cleansing pool. <laughs> and so when we see the picture of baptism, we think, you know, John the Baptist is what started and Jesus took it. It was actually a, it was a Jewish tradition. They would ceremonially cleanse themselves full immersion from head to toe whenever, you know, they, they would enter the temple. There's different laws that they would have to do it. But I, as I was studying and researching, it's really unique uh, that this mikvah, this Jewish uh, tradition is still continued today for the specific use of this. It's used for the pre-wedding preparation of the bride. But even today, Jewish weddings that the the, the bride would be fully immersed even to her fingernails. Every, every dirt, every part would be cleansed and clean and purified as she was about to get married, even to the afternoon before her ceremony. And I think that's such a beautiful picture of what we're talking about. But the powerful thing is that we're not the one that has to do the cleansing. He's the one. Right, Ephesians 5, 25-27 shows us, it says this, it says, For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. So he gave up his life for us to make us holy and clean. I want you guys to see this. God didn't make you holy and clean just because he just wants you to be holy and clean. Like, he died because he wants you to be free. He wants you to be holy. Verse 27, he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. And so our bridegroom king has made us spiritually holy and pure, right? He cleaned the cup. We no longer have to be identified by our sin. And so spiritually, you've been made clean. Spiritually, you are one with Jesus, but our soul is having to catch up, right? That's sanctification. 
our mind and our will and our emotions are having to catch up to what he has already done in our spirit. And so what happens is we don't know what he's done in our spirit, and so we're trying to bring back or, or rehabilitate the dead man. <laughs> when we actually see Paul says, hey, your flesh has been crucified. Your old nature has been put to death. Do you know the phrase, die to yourself, actually isn't in the Bible? It's not a Bible verse. It's a really good phrase. And it's actually very true, this idea that we need to be self-sacrificial. But this idea of, okay, we have to crucify our flesh every time we sin or mess up. What we're doing is we're just killing something that's already dead. When truth sets you free, when you realize, wait, my default is holy. My default is pure. My default is actually one with Jesus. My default isn't separated from Jesus. This is what empowers you to walk in freedom. This is when you realize, wait, sin doesn't have power anymore. Because Jesus removed, he severed, he broke the branch off. And now when I sin, it's just simply me giving in to a choice. It isn't we live in the spiritual reign of the devil. No, we live under Jesus' reign. And the moment we let that sink in, guys, I promise you, the way you look at yourself and you deal with sin and the way you deal with shame, it's all going to change. And I want to prove this to you if you're like, I don't really know. Maybe that's true. Have you guys ever been in a moment, maybe that was today, maybe that was last week, maybe that was in your bedroom, but have you ever been in a moment where you encountered the tangible presence of God in worship, God spoke to you, you felt him, and, and you were just close with God? But literally that morning, or the week of, or two days before, you, were, you sinned. You looked at something you weren't supposed to look at, you did something you are supposed to do, you said something you weren't supposed to do, yet two days later, or the day of, you're in church, even with a bad mood, even with shame or guilt, yet you still were able to experience and encounter the presence of God. I won't make you raise your hand, but that's all of us. We've been there. But think about that for a second. Well, how does that work? If something unholy can't be in the presence of someone holy, then how can we experience him if we just sent two days ago? Right, because we see this in the Old Testament, right? When something impure entered the temple, right? It couldn't exist. It just... The reason that happens is because you've been given a new cup. You've been given a new identity. The same way that clean water can't coexist with a dirty cup, yet because you have been made holy and pure, you can now enter his presence. Right? Scripture says, we who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. That you've been brought near because of his cleansing. And so, guys, when we get this, this truth, when our minds are renewed to wait, sin isn't my default, Jesus is, it will set you free from the curse of trying to fix your old self. Because he's dead. It will liberate you from the struggle with sin because as Paul says, you can count yourself dead to it. 
And when you know you've been baptized and raised by the Holy Spirit, He will empower you to truly live. Guys, as Christians, I say this, that salvation isn't the finish line, it's the starting point. That your life, you're not learning how to die to yourself, you're learning how to live to Christ. Your life is how, oh, I just need to keep dying and, you know, read this book and do a 10-step program and have accountability, which is all great stuff, but we're not learning how to die, we're learning how to live. And as we start to live and allow the truth of who Jesus is, the truth of who he's made us to be, then everything will follow. Everything will, will start to clean itself up. So then, what's the point of water baptism? <laughs> Well, first off, Jesus told us to do it. That's a good enough reason right there. Second is that we have to see that we aren't saved through water baptism, but water baptism symbolizes the baptism that saves, right? The spiritual baptism done by the Holy Spirit. That water baptism is a powerful demonstration of faith because it reenacts what the Holy Spirit has accomplished. Right? We don't go into the water to save or cleanse ourselves or to complete some process that Jesus started. We do it in response to what the Spirit has done. Now, water baptism is when a person is immersed in water as a public confession of his or her faith in Jesus and testifying to the supernatural reality they receive. The way that I break this down, right, when we talked about the picture of our spiritual baptism looking like marriage. Imagine getting married but never wearing a ring. Imagine getting married but never having a ceremony or, or inviting people to see your union. And so when we are water baptized as we obey what Jesus has told us as disciples and followers, we're proclaiming to ourselves to our old nature, to our future, to the world, that this is the reality that I have now. This is the new identity that is placed that I have been dead to sin and I am now alive in Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. So the worship team come up.